This is Battleground Ballot Box, a production of Georgia Public Broadcasting. I'm Stephen Fowler, and today we are going to talk about disinformation. More specifically, one week out from Election Day, we are going to discuss election disinformation and how to know what's true as we head into a time where the internet and social media will be flooded with things that might not always be accurate. Right now, unfortunately, a lot of the misinformation is coming from elected officials that folks trust. You know, it is, if you are a Trump supporter, very easy to believe that vote by mail is inherently flawed or subject to an incredible amount of fraud. Um, And I think that that it's going to take people educating themselves about how the system actually works before they can navigate what's misinformation and what's not. Um, Because unfortunately, we've arrived at a place where voting is so politicized that people have incentives, even if those incentives are poor, um, to inflate problems or not seek solutions. Jessica Huseman is the lead reporter for Election Land, a massive voting coverage collaboration from ProPublica. She spent the last four years covering how voting works across the country and is one of the definitive sources on how to understand the election. First and foremost, she says the best information about how you cast your ballot will come from one source. My answer to this is always your local election official. Um, In a lot of places like Georgia, that's going to be the county. In other places, it is the municipality or the township that they live in. But every county conducts a lot of... Walter is barking for one second. That's Jessica's dog, Walter, who agrees. Every county in Georgia does things slightly differently, whether it's the number of polling places, early voting times and locations, and other states have even different rules that counties are allowed to follow. But then there are states like Texas where the state can't even tell the counties what type of equipment to buy. Um, So, you know, your county could be very different from the one next door. And so you shouldn't, like, even if you have a really reliable friend that's very active politically and knows how to vote, if they live the county over, they may not be giving you the right information. One of the biggest areas of misinformation and confusion about the voting process is cybersecurity. The coronavirus pandemic has upended things for many elections officials, changing the way many people vote, but Huseman says there's still been many improvements since the last presidential election to keep the vote safe and secure. Let's just compare this to 2016. I think that the states are more cyber aware than they ever have been, and that is not the sexy topic of the year. The sexy topic of the year is vote by mail. But the other issues related to voting haven't gone away just because we're voting in a different way. And so there is a much more defined streamline between election officials and each other through their trade organizations. But there is more specifically, I think, and more importantly, a very clear line of communication now between local election officials and the Department of Homeland Security. Um, That relationship used to be very dysfunctional. It is now more functional than it ever has been. Information sharing from the federal government is better. Um, The voting machines are also better than they were in 2016. A lot of states have replaced them or upgraded them or moved to more paper-based systems of voting. And so I think that, you know, if somebody does go and vote in person this year, they will probably see a more streamlined system than they saw before. 
Speaking of streamlined, many states have also made coronavirus-friendly changes that will likely be here to stay. So, for example, in the state of Kentucky, you used to not be able to vote by mail unless you had a very specific reason. It's not like Georgia, where you can vote by mail for any reason. And in order to accommodate the pandemic, Kentucky both opened up no excuse absentee voting and started doing early voting like that bell cannot be unrung you know what i mean like once people get that convenience they're going to demand it going forward and so i think that the sort of odd silver lining of this pandemic is that it will sustain more accessible voting options for people for much longer than just this election season But with new voting procedures, a hostile political climate, and the proliferation of social media, there's plenty of room for unintentional misinformation, or worse, intentional disinformation, to creep into our collective understanding. We begin in Washington tonight where we are following some breaking news. A hastily arranged, unannounced government news conference on election security. They're warning to Americans tonight, foreign adversaries may reach out directly to voters with election misinformation. FBI Director Christopher Wray and Director of National Intelligence John Ratcliffe had this to say just a short time ago. We would like to alert the public that we have identified that two foreign actors, Iran and Russia, have taken specific actions to influence public opinion relating to our elections. It's normal for some part of the elections process somewhere to not go smoothly, like poll workers messing up the check-in process or an absentee ballot getting rejected for missing signature. But just like other experts we've talked to, Huseman says your number one tool in making sure your vote is counted is having a good relationship with your local elections officials. They're the ones that are going to be able to tell you what the deadlines are, when you should mail your ballot back in, what their recommended date for doing that is. They're going to be the ones that know exactly how to make your vote count. And being in communication with them and getting over that sort of nervous hurdle of talking to a county election administrator for the first time uh, is really important because that's the office that you'll have to go back to if, say, you mail in your ballot and it's rejected because they say that your signature doesn't match or you have to request another ballot because you never get yours in the mail. Another topic that has caused some concern is the concept of a red mirage, or election day results may show one candidate winning, but the final tally has something different, or the possibility that our presidential race is hanging in limbo for weeks and weeks as ballots are counted and battles over lawsuits are waged in the courts. I am not as pessimistic as some about how long it's going to take for this vote to count. Um, so people need to understand that the that the call on election night is not really a call. Um, it is a prediction based on available information that is made by media organizations who are doing mass polling, exit polling, lots of surveying, and they are using that with the combined available data on actual returned votes to make projections about who wins each state. The media has become more careful about this this year. I think they're going to be slower to do those projections because they have never called a race in this type of environment. But regardless, the official results, like the the 
definite date by which we know the winner has never been election night. It has always been several days after. So this is called certification or canvassing, depending on your state. And the first date that an election is certified after November 3rd is going to be November 5th, and that's in Delaware. And the last election to be certified is California, and that doesn't happen until December 11th. So, and that's not just this year. That's been the case for a really long time. California always takes several weeks to canvas and certify, and most other states take several days. So it's there's a reason why we elect the president in November and they are not sworn in until January. It's because the founders knew that counting votes takes time. It used to take a lot more time. We got these paperless voting machines that instantly calculated things, and I think people were much more used to fast results than they realized and thought that that was a normal part of the process rather than a quote unquote improvement. But I think that we all just need to get really patient and really in tune with the idea that like we could go to bed on November 3rd and maybe wake up on November 4th and not really know who the candidate is if the race is close. So we'll all take a deep breath and wait for results to come in, but what should we do in the next few weeks if we see something that shocks us or seems too good to be true about voting problems? Oh, several ideas. First, actually read the article that you're sharing. Um, And if it is not an article and it's just some random person's tweet, I would look to see if your trusted source of local news has covered the story before you start sharing sort of unvetted concerns or alarm. Um, So, you know, if we read the whole story, we actually understand what we're tweeting about. Sometimes the headlines are misleading. Sometimes the tweets even news organizations send out don't really capture the nuance in a story. So read the story before you share it. But I think the third thing and the most important thing is that people should not, like their initial reaction to some setback in the election should not be to freak out and cry malevolence because the vast majority of times long lines, machine breakdowns, the poll worker telling you the wrong thing. Those are not instances of intentional fraud or intentional manipulation or intentional suppression. They're, it's simply incompetence and they're expected sort of things that happen because the United States election system is so diffuse and controlled by so many parties um, that mistakes are just going to get made. And so people should assume if they see something that doesn't look right at the polling location, that it is a mistake and not the intentional will of some bad actor. And if we can make, if we can assume that until it's proven otherwise, then I think we'll all calm down and have a better voting experience. That said, bad things do happen and voters do run into issues at the polls. But there are resources to help you solve those problems or report them to other people so they can investigate. 866-OUR-VOTE is a hotline staffed by the attorneys for civil rights under law. And they have a hotline that is only answered by attorneys. And so if you face an issue casting your ballot or you see something strange at the polls, you can call and get sort of an opinion about what you should do. And if there is nothing that you can do, then they will intervene on your behalf. Um, You can also get in touch with Election Land, um, which Georgia Public Broadcast 
is a member of, election.land is our full URL, and you'll see a link there to report a tip. Um, and you'll also see our participating newsrooms. So if you're more comfortable filling out that tip sheet and having it go straight to your local newsroom, there's a place on our website to do that as well. But I would also say that if you do have a problem at the polls, one thing that people should do more of that they do not do a lot of is to directly contact the state elections hotline. Um, so most states, either in the Secretary of State's office or the Governor's office or the Attorney General's office, depend on, depending on how elections are managed statewide, will have a call center. Um, and, and they may not be staffed by attorneys, but they're staffed by elections officials who can answer questions, but who importantly are also tracking patterns of problems as they're reported across the state. So if you experience a problem with a poll worker giving you incorrect instructions or machines that are all down in your one polling location, this is something that you should inform the state of because they can generally direct emergency resources um, and then future voters won't have that problem. If you have any questions or problems you'd like to discuss, you can send me an email at sfowler at gpb.org and I'd be happy to help. Basically, there's a lot of well-intentioned ways we can be confused or misled about voting, and this year the stakes are especially high. But by taking a breath, evaluating sources, and learning how things work in your own backyard, we can all take the opportunity to contribute to a better election environment. I'm Stephen Fowler. This is Battleground Ballot Box, a production of Georgia Public Broadcasting. You can subscribe to our show at gpb.org battleground or anywhere you get podcasts. Please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Our editor is Wayne Drash. Our intern is Eva Rothenberg. The show is mixed by Jesse Neiswanger and the director of podcasting is Sean Powers. Thanks for listening.